going back all the way that, to that discussion with my pastor about you need to go to seminary if you want to be a pastor. I then was in seminary seeing a 50,000-foot view of the contemporary crisis around theological education related to funding, tenure, academic credibility. I mean, you, you name it. Like We could talk about it for an hour. And I realized seminary is not going to be an option for a lot of people 20 or 30 years from now. It will be an option for academic elites and wealthy people. If we can locate theology back in the context of the local church, we'll be able to provide access to a high level of theological education that currently is inaccessible and definitely will be inaccessible a few decades from now. Hey, everybody. Today on the show, we have the privilege of hearing from one of our very own CPT fellows, Pastor J.T. English, on his story of becoming a pastor theologian. JT talks about his conversion story, as well as his education, and eventually his call into pastoral ministry, and how he ended up where he is today as the pastor for the Village Institute at the Village Church in Flower Mound, Texas. Let's get right into the conversation. Welcome to another edition of the Pastor Theologian Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Wilson, president of the Center for Pastor Theologians. And with me is my friend and managing director of the CPT, Zach Wagner. Hey, Todd. Good to see you, man. Good to be seen. Good to have another partner in crime. (laughs) I suppose. suppose. uh, (laughs) Our special guest today is one of our very own CPT fellows, Dr. J.T. English. Good to see you, brother. I am so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Delighted to to have you. Uh, You have been... Uh, for several years, uh, part of the CPT fellowship, but yeah. uh, but maybe maybe I'm confessing your sin. You, know? <laughs> you <laughs> yes, haven't been up me. to a fellowship gathering. That's right. So this is actually the first time we've met in it person. Is. Yeah, yeah. So I can remember even going back to my days in school. I watched one of the videos you guys did on the okay. when it was the SAT, and I was like, I've got to be a part of that. I need to figure out how to make this happen. <laughs> yes. That's why I need to go do a PhD. Yes. So I go oh, do good. a PhD. Really? No kidding. <laughs> so so you were inspired. Oh, no, I watched you, it when I was at Dallas Seminary. I was like, I mean, your vision for what you guys are doing here inspired. Uh, and there's so much more to the story that I want to get into Fantastic. about God's done. So you were one of the, I want to be a CPT fellow when I grow no doubt. up. There's no wow. doubt. Yeah. I still Love haven't it. grown up yet, but now I'm a Catch, fellow. Catching the vision. And so, yeah. So yeah. I, uh, I, I, so I joined a fellowship, but I was also had just taken a job and yes. didn't realize the rhythms of that specific job because I was in the August fellowship. And the rhythm is fast. It is fast. <laughs> I, we, we move pretty fast at the village. And so I was like, I, I just can't make it in August. Like every yeah. every year I had this optimism of this is the year I'm going to make it. And then I would just get crushed with, we kind of run on a semester yeah. basis. And it was like, there's just no way. Like, yeah, you're just, you're just ramping up. Exactly. Yeah, Starting our yep. fall, our fall semester in August. So uh, the fact, and you guys were gracious to allow me to come into this yeah. one. And this one's going to be really fun for me in particular is, uh, is the fellowship I'm in now is uh, overseen by Kevin, Dr. Kevin Van Hooser, yes. who was one of my readers on my work and my project for my dissertation. So just, elated to be here. We have a lot in, in common, similar passion, passions and, and interests and things. One of the things that I learned in a phone conversation we had uh, not too long ago um, was you are a, like me, a young adult convert from a non-Christian background. That's I have right. that right. I That's remember right. that right. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So, but tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, totally. So I grew up in Littleton, Colorado to a wonderful family, just not a Christian family. They loved me. They loved each other. Uh, of course, brokenness uh, in the home, and but but at the same time, a lot of love and a lot of care. Mm-hmm. I felt loved and cared for. But when I, when people talk about growing up in a post-Christian environment or what that might look like, I had that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my home, the gospel, my parents had not rejected the gospel. It was something that they were 
Just kind of irrelevant. Yeah, they, they never really heard it. Or Did never you go had to church on Easter. Uh, or sometimes Christmas? my grandparents were were uh, part of the Meth- United Methodist Church, oh, yeah. and so they had me confirmed. But it was I don't remember anything about the process. Yeah. But yeah, we would go occasionally Christmas, Easter, those kinds of things. But on Sunday mornings, you're sleeping in never. and, and no, yeah, watching cartoons very, and having pancakes. That's exactly that's right. What we did, ne- and lots of sports. My family is a very sports-oriented oh, yeah. family. I played lots of sports. What, my, what, what, what uh, would you play? I played basketball and baseball. Oh, nice. And then my mom, growing up, my parents got divorced when I was in. Uh, uh, elementary school and she was a vice president for the Colorado Rockies baseball club. Oh wow. And so as a single mom, a single working mom, I basically grew up at Coors Field uh, in a lot of ways, which wow. I loved because got to be around the team, got to be around uh just that, that must baseball. have been a dream as a boy. It was here's the thing. And they were an expansion team at that time. Nineteen ninety three. Nineteen ninety three was their first year. So I was at the first game. I would go to about sixty games a year. Wow, that's exciting. I grew up in their executive boardroom. <laughs> I mean it was just but here's the thing. <laughs> when you cool. when you're that little boy, you don't realize how awesome it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was just my Your childhood. Reality. Yeah, it was just my childhood. Don't talk to Cubs fans about the Rockies this past year. Right, right. Uh, you guys, we have, a, we have a tough history. But here's the thing. <laughs> yeah. My favorite ballpark in all of uh, the world is Wrigley Field. I, mean, oh, I love okay. Coors. There we go. I've, I've come to some fun For games For all of Wrigley our Chicago also. listeners, that's yeah, music that's right. to their ear. There's no doubt. Uh, so anyway, I, I just didn't grow up uh, knowing the Lord, did not grow up in a Christian home or understanding the Christian tradition. So when people make jokes about like felt boards, I just have no idea because mm. I didn't, I didn't uh, grow up with that. I went to college at Colorado State University, mm-hmm. uh, really just thought I had to get a, a degree so that I could go into sports marketing or business or something like yeah. that. And it was just a few weeks in that uh, my roommate kept inviting me to a campus crusade Bible study. And I just, for the life of me, could not understand why that would be important to go do. Yeah especially since it was in the basement of the men's dorm in the laundry room. And I was like, there's just no way. There's nothing I'm, going going to the, I'm just there. not going to the basement with you to study the Bible in the laundry room. It's not going to happen. Maybe the penthouse suite in the yeah. local fraternity. Yeah, that might yeah, be that, different. That is exactly right. I, uh, I had other plans in mind for my college uh, experience. But he just kept asking me. I mean, he was just persistent. He just yeah. asked me every single week. And finally, I was like, fine. Like, I'm just going to get you off my back. I'm going to go show you that I don't like it. Incredible. And I, again, I wasn't antagonistic towards it. Yeah. Just completely just apathetic. Indifferent. 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 Yeah. I, I felt I had no felt need. <clears throat> we were studying Jonah 2. I did have a Bible. Uh, and this is just to remind people what it's like to kind of enter into a Christian subculture. Is there like, open your Bible to Jonah 2. And right. I did no not idea. know where it was. Yes. You didn't know who and Jonah I, was. You I didn't know, know who Jonah was. Did, at the yeah, back of yeah, the word I, Jonah. And I did not know there was a table of contents. And if there was, there was no way I was going to look there because oh. then you out yourself as the person who doesn't no know clue. anything about their Bible. Uh, but one of the leaders saw what was going on. He graciously, he actually opened the text for me, showed me where we were. And for the first time, uh, and I, I can remember this moment still so viscerally. I heard about God's grace Unreal. to somebody who was disobedient. And that was just a absolutely foreign concept to me. Wow. That God, if there was one, would be gracious to somebody who rebelled against him. Amazing. And I, I did not understand the gospel at that point, but it, it introduced a brand new category for me. And that was clear to the leader that night. He was just a sophomore. He was not on staff. He was not paid. He was just a, a guy who was trying to be faithful and live out God's mission. And he invited me to lunch the next day in the student center. And he said, uh, I'm supposed to read this with you. And in the most uncompelling gospel presentation of all times, he literally just read the four spiritual laws, gave no commentary, gave no, right? like, did not like wow. look up from it to see if I was resonating oh, with it at all. No, I mean, and, and, uh, and Jesus showed it up. He, he showed up. Like I, I can, Incredible. I can visibly remember like in my imagination, it wasn't like a vision, just like, it felt like the heavens were opening up. Like yeah. it was like, God sees me. That yeah. is, ex- God knows me. God, God has a place for it. Like yeah. he, I'm his son. Now I, I just felt a uh, conviction of sin. I knew that Jesus was the only way to, uh, 
to, to, to cleanse me of, of my sin. Again, I wouldn't have had language for this then. It was just the, the basic uh, felt need was, I need Jesus because I'm separated from God. Wow. And I prayed to receive Christ right there. And uh, it was a fairly radical, even though I was kind of growing up in a, maybe what you would have called like a, a moral therapeutic Americanism. Yes. It was still a fairly radical conversion. I just got really involved with crew. By the, by the end of my time in college, I was campus crusades president on campus, did several summer projects with them, which is so thankful for crew. But then part of my story was is crew isn't really an organization that exists to disciple in terms of like depth of understanding mm-hmm. the Christian story. Mm-hmm. It's just not why they exist. Mm-hmm. So I went to my pastor. Uh, I, I, joined a small little Southern Baptist church there in Fort Collins, Colorado. And I went to my pastor and I said, I, again, I didn't have language for this, but I said, I think I'm supposed to do what you do. Like, I think I'm supposed to be into ministry. I was trying to express a vocational calling now looking back on it. And I said, how do I do that? Like, can you help me? And my thought was, uh, given my experience in the business or my, my family's experience in the business world is like an apprenticeship. Like I'll teach you. I would love to show you what it's like to be a pastor. Why don't you come under my wing? I'll get, yeah. I'll, I'll get a job. You don't have to yeah. pay me. I'll get a job. I'll, I was working at discount tire at the time. Show me how to preach. Show me how to understand the yeah. Bible better. And he said, if you want to be a pastor, you need to go to seminary. <laughs> and he's right. And did you even know what seminary no, was I when didn't. he said that? I didn't. Yeah. No, no category. But my it. father-in-law had gone. So I went back and had a conversation with him. I said, my, he wasn't my father-in-law at the time. It was the girl I was dating. Uh, so it's part of the story too. Of course, I met Macy and she was really involved with crew with me. Macy's my wife. She, from Christian background. she comes from a very, yeah. So her dad was a professor at Southeastern Seminary wow. for a time, did his PhD at UT Arlington in homiletics, did, wow. a, did a THM at Dallas Seminary, pastor, worked for the Navigators for a long time. And so very different background. So I knew he had been a pastor. So I went and asked him, what's seminary? And he said, it's a, it's a place you can go to understand the scriptures and learn how to do different types of vocational ministry. So here's what's crazy. I did not ask him where he went. Uh, I just went home and I Googled a whole Bible. I'm, I swear. Come on. I Googled whole Bible seminary. Cause that's just what I wanted whole to do. Whole Bible. I wanted like, to know my like whole I wanted Bible. to know the whole thing. I just want to know the whole Bible. I didn't know where Jonah was. Yeah, I, 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 that's not going to happen again. I read Jonah too. Like, I'd like to read the rest. I the category of systematic theology wow. or pastoral ministry. That's or counseling. Like I just thought to be a pastor, you need to have read the Bible. right? <laughs> and so, so I just want to go, I want to do a degree so, that gives me the whole Bible. So you were literally just kind of approaching it. Like my, my I biblical no knowledge is zero. Guidance. So I need to <laughs> I get, I need to get all of it. So here in God's providence, uh, somewhere in Provo did not pop up in the Google search, right? Like Latter-day Saints university. Yes. That would have been not good. Uh, <laughs> Dallas seminary popped up. Uh, and so I didn't apply anywhere Kudos else. Kudos to the marketing department. Yeah, that's exactly seminary. right. They knew what they were doing. They, 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 well, they got one student out of that. Yeah, yeah. So whatever, whatever. Uh, so I showed up at DTS the year, a year later. Just uh, like that. Well, yeah, so my wife and I got married. Uh, we took a year off. I just tried to save some money because because this is another part of the story is I, I just for the life of me, I always go back to that conversation with my pastor. And let me be abundantly clear. He is a very faithful brother. He's operating the system of evangelicalism that we've created. Mm-hmm. But that conversation of you have to leave the church in order to lead in the church mm-hmm. was mind boggling to me as a new Christian. Just even intu- not, intuitively to you then, at the time, then, not now. Yeah, mm-hmm. like the, That's incredible. Kind of the, the fish out of water. Then. Yes. Like I don't understand the Christian subculture. Because to your point, every other profession has apprenticeships yeah. of one kind or another exactly right. and in the, context. I've, and I've gone to the university. Wow. I understand, you know, that I have a basic background in liberal arts. Do I really need to do a master's degree? And again, I'm grateful I did. I, I, of course, I did more education after that. But that conversation for me, when I think back about, you know, we, we can joke that all theology is autobiography, but so is all ministry. Like the why behind what I'm doing now at the village is That's traced excellent. back to that conversation. 
what if we could train people in the church for leadership in the church? Uh, so, and we'll get, I know we'll get to that later in the conversation. So that conversation was so meaningful to me. It sent me on a trajectory to DTS. I thought, I thought I'll be at DTS and I'm just going to go as quick as I can. I want to do the practical stuff. I want to do, as I started getting the categories of church history and systematics and pastoral ministry, I thought I want to be a preacher. I'm really going to enjoy the preaching classes. And first day on campus, we had a, like a student orientation and they sit you down with different faculty members for lunch. And there was a guy there. He was the church history chair and the theolo- mm-hmm. theological studies chair. And mm-hmm. he was uh, about six foot eight, very awkward, you know, just the kind of person like, I don't want to emulate you. Like you just, <laughs> you, you were the epitome of what I think a, 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 you know, a theology professor would be. And I asked him a question. I said, if you could give advice to your seminary self, whenever you went on day one, what would it be? And he said, you don't want to major in a program. You want to major in a person. Find a, find a person on campus that you want to be like and spend every single second with them that you can. And I said, that's great advice. It's not going to be you, <laughs> but that's great advice. I thought it would be Howard Hendricks. He was at DTS at yes, the time. Yes, the uber famous or, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, just somebody that, that uh, is going to help me know my Bible better or how to communicate it. Uh, and certainly not going to be in church history, which is what he was the department chair for. And the next day I had my first class and he was the first class. It was Church History 101. And you have those, again, paradigm shifting moments of just, I can't unsee that now. My ministry is going to be radically changed because of what you just said. And this man's name was Jeff Bingham. Mm -hmm. And he just radically reshaped my vision of what, not just in that conversation or that class, but over the next three or four years while I was at DTS, of what the pastoral vocation was, whether it was studying the early church or Edwards and understanding uh, what God was calling his church to do. I finished up my time at DTS under him, uh, got my degree primarily in historical theology, uh, and I still felt untrained, right? Mm. I don't know if this is just uh, me being critical of myself, but I'd only had three years of formal theological training and education, and it didn't feel like enough. So I started thinking about doing and PhD. why didn't it feel like enough? I don't know. Because you now know where Jonah is. Right. And I, I found Jonah. <laughs> and, I found and, Jonah. And the other books, and too, I, I guess, I knew at this for point. Sure, I think you Hebrew. You can read Jonah in Hebrew <laughs> well, at this point. that's actually not true. Well, I could have then. <laughs> right. right. Currently, I'm, I'm you a little rusty. That's on my Hebrew, if I'm honest. Sounds about right. Uh, yeah. And actually, that was the class. I did read uh, Jonah in Hebrew at DTS. I don't know. I just had this sense of God is still forming me and shaping yeah. me specifically yeah. for, for a vocational call. I don't and know what it's for. One of the advantages of being in that environment is you realize just how much you don't know yeah, you think and how fruitful it is yes. to learn. You think you're going to leave uh, equipped and you realize I'm still ill-equipped, uh, right? I need to know a lot more. And it really creates a sense of humility and charity and just wanting to be in the posture of a lifelong learner. Yeah. You never arrive. And you had your vision on pastoral ministry, like you never wavered from that. Uh, at that point, did you I hear think, the swan yes. song that, of the academic? If, not yet. Not at that yet. Point. But that's it coming. Was coming. Okay. It okay. was definitely coming. So I then uh, I, I, I took his advice for my THM to the PhD, and I said, "I'm not going to go to a school. I'm going to go to a person. What's another person that I'd like to be like?" Mm-hmm. So I spent the next year or so, uh, as I was nearing towards graduation from Dallas what are some scholars that are writing on things that I'm interested in and what are be, what would be some schools that I would consider going to? So I spent some time in the UK, looked at uh, St. Andrews with Steve Holmes. He was doing some Baptist mm-hmm. theology. I looked at Trinity with uh, Dr. Van Hooser and then Southern with Greg Allison. And mm-hmm. so Greg has a background with crew, spent 20 years overseas and oh, our yeah. uh, kind of hearts just aligned quickly uh, in terms of what my academic research interests were and what her, what his were at the time and also what his, his had been in the past. 
Hey, everybody, we'll be right back for more of our conversation with Pastor JT English. But first, we just wanted to take a quick moment to draw your attention to our upcoming theology conference taking place this October, the 14th through the 16th in Chicago. The theme for this year's conference is a Christian vision of technology. We're really thrilled to be welcoming Andy Crouch, Karen Swallow-Prior, Pastor Charlie Dates, as well as many other great speakers to help us think about this important and complex topic. The deadline for early bird registration is today, April 1st, 2019, the day this episode is being released. So this is your very last chance to register for $89 a person or just $49 a person if you're a student. Our annual conference is always a great opportunity to learn and gather with other people who love theology and love ministry in the local church. We'd love to see many of you there. If you're interested, you can find more information at www.cptconference.com. All right, let's get right back into our conversation with Pastor J.T. English on his journey in theological education in the local church. I was doing my PhD at Southern, and this is the this is where my story took a turn that I just couldn't have foretold, because I wasn't uh, a Baptist denominationally at the time. I just okay. happened to be going to a Baptist school. I was Baptistic in my theology, yeah. but I, I had not grown up in the Southern Baptist community. I was yeah. Big Tent Evangelical. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here I am at Southern Seminary and enjoying it, happy to be there, uh, proud to have gone there and be a graduate from there. But I wasn't. I didn't consider myself a Southern Baptist. But quickly, uh, the dean of the School of Theology at the time was Russell Moore, and he asked me to be his research assistant based on some stuff that I had done coming in. Did that for about a year, and then I was asked to be Dr. Moeller's research assistant, who was the current president. He was the president, then he still is the president at Southern, uh, Dr. Moeller. And then after that, became his chief of staff Mm -hmm. and was able, and that was as valuable as my PhD in a lot of ways because I was able to see some of the challenges that higher education is facing right now. Again, going back all the way to that discussion with my pastor in Fort Collins, Colorado about you need to go to seminary if you want to be a pastor. I then was in seminary seeing a 50,000 foot view of the contemporary crisis around theological Mm. education related to funding, tenure, academic credibility. I mean, you you name it. We could talk about it for an hour, whatever the uh, category. And I realized if the church doesn't get serious about discipling, uh, let me even step back. Seminary is not going to be an option for a lot of people 20 or 30 years from now. It will be an option for academic elites and wealthy people if we can locate theology back in the context of the local church, we'll be able to provide access to a high level of theological education that currently is inaccessible mm. and definitely will be inaccessible a few decades from now. So I was able to kind of see, uh, and he has been, he was somebody that was going to help me see some of these things. And since then schools are closing. Yeah, You've got Bible colleges closing, universities closing, seminaries closing down campuses. You also have the massive transformation of online education. Yeah. I mean, we're in the midst of radical upheaval as it relates to theological education. So there I am, I'm at Southern, uh, I've got my THM, I'm wrapping up my PhD, I'm working for him and I'm seeing Mm. this conversation with my pastor come back up in my head over and over and over Mm. again. What if you do not have to leave the church in order to be equipped for ministry? Mm. And that does not downplay the research ministry of the academy. I'm grateful for, for the research interests and I think those need to exist until the kingdom comes. While at the same time, what does it look like to reappropriate and infuse theology and discipleship back into the context of the local church? So I began praying and thinking, Lord, could 
maybe there's a job like that, mm. but there's not, right? There's yeah. just not many churches. That Everybody's share. looking for that same dream job. Yes, everybody <laughs> is. And I'll never, it was a, they, we, we used to host a conference in Louisville called Together for the Gospel. I had some friends there and I just told them, I was like, I think the Lord's calling me out of this. And I had a path set at Southern. Uh, nothing yeah. in terms of like actually offered, but like I was in a great role, yeah. wonderful opportunities in you front of me, working well, with well networked, yeah, work, yeah, well, yeah, working with men that I enjoy, that I respect, that yeah. I that that I mean, I just I did not have to leave. I was graduating, but I I could have mm-hmm. stayed. Is mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. But I knew that the Lord wasn't asking me to. But He was calling me into a vocation that, in my mind, I didn't know existed. Right. Mm. Uh, it, and you're right; it was a dream job. But I remember saying to some friends, "Hey, pray with me. I think the Lord might be calling me to do theology in the church. I don't know what that looks like." Wow. And through a really strange sequence of event, events, which I'm happy to, to talk up through, the Lord provided this opportunity at the Village Church. I mean, just in again, it's just God's providence. Lay it out. What happened? So uh, originally, this will be encouraging for listeners yeah, who sure. are in a, maybe in a similar sort of place. Sure. They're, they're finishing up seminary or graduate school, and they're thinking. I'm never going to find a job or right. a way to serve yeah, the that, Lord with my passion. If that so. is you listening right now, I just want to encourage you to trust the Lord. He, yeah. he is going to direct your path. He knows all the days of your life, and He, he knows the, the, the beginning and in, uh, middle of your ministry now. Yeah. You don't have to be anxious about it. The Lord knows. Uh, there is a church in Austin. It's called the Austin Stone uh, Church, and they, do, they already had an institute developed. Mm. And one of my friends was on staff there, and he said, would you be interested in coming to run this? And I'm like, yes. Like, this is the Lord answering my prayers. What plane and can Austin's I get on? Pretty sweet. And Austin's Come on. awesome. I would I'll be there in a harp. It's definitely better than Flower Mound, right? <laughs> I'll get to that part in a minute. Uh, so I thought I was going. Like I went down for an interview. They were oh no kidding. Yeah, I mean they were rolling. I didn't out. know this part about you. I, mean, I didn't know that you. Uh, oh wow. Okay. There was a serious interview process, but then we got to the point where it was like, we want you to come. What What do we need to do to get you here? Wow. And I was on my final interview. Uh, I guess I, I was about three or four days away from my final interview, and one of my best friends during my time at Southern, his name was Bo Hughes. He was one of the campus pastors at the Village Church, and he was doing modular education. And they were about to roll their campus off. So we had become kind of uh, external allies for each other, processing mm. the life of our organization outside of our organization. Yeah. He was sharing about his anxieties about rolling off from a mega church. I'm yeah. sharing my anxieties about, I think the Lord's calling me to the stone. I'm not sure what this is going to look yeah. like. And we were at a Baltimore Orioles game for the Southern Baptist Convention that Russell Moore, going back to kind of this network that the Lord was building for me, invited me to. And Bo happened to be there. And I said, hey, I've got an interview in three days. Will you pray for me? I think I'm going to the stone. He said, I'd love to pray for you. But hey, this is Matt Chandler and Josh Patterson, lead pastors of the Village Church. Would you tell them what the stone's asking you to go do? And I was like, sure. And then I got to have this conversation oh, with I them. Love it. This is where I just much. said, we need to be doing theological education in the church. In the church. We need to be equipping the yes. saints for the work of ministry. You know, And I just kind of went on my little rant. Not looking for a job. I, <laughs> I have a job oh, that's awesome. upcoming. And Josh and Matt said, "Would you ever come do that at the village?" And I said, "No." Wow. I said, "I just feel like the stones asked me. Like I, I'm in the midst of a conversation with them." And Josh got my cell phone number. And he just texted me and said, "Hey, I, I understand your loyalty and commitment to them, but just pray about it. Here's a job application. We would really love to have a conversation with you." Hmm. And I talked to my wife that night, and we did. We ended up just feeling led. We've not said yes to the stone yet. Our yes is yes. Our no is no. We've not said yes. We're still in the process. Let's just see what we can do. So we went to the interview with the stone. It went great. But a week later, I did an interview at the village. And when I was at the stone, I was like, I'm coming. Right. Like I, 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 I didn't say I'm Good coming, people, but I was like, great ministry, oh the whole goodness. deal. There was n- they could not have been more above board and godly about the process. And they love the vision. They, and, and they and love the vision. And committed. And they love the village. They basically, yeah. as soon as I knew the village came in the picture, they just said, look, brother, if we get to be a part 
of the Lord directing mm. your steps oh, and you end up at the village, we are in for that. What wow. a great example of how they were churches ought to work together. Christ-centered. I mean, they, they were more about the mission Just of God than the mission of the stone. Open-handed. Yeah. Very Marvelous. open-handed. Marvelous. So I went to the village a few weeks later, not thinking I was going. I was trying to honor a, a pastor that I that I respected, yeah. Matt. Uh, his, his ministry had been influential on me. And uh, we go for the interview and I left. I got on the plane back to Louisville and I said to my wife, I said, and we left without a job offer. So mm-hmm. we have a job offer in Austin, no job offer at the village. And I said, if they offer me an internship, that's where we're supposed to be. I don't know why. Like I just had this, wow. the Lord didn't say anything. I didn't, he just, I just knew kind of gutturally, this is where the Lord's calling us. If they offer a job, we're coming. And the next day they called with a job offer. Um, wow. And so, and something that was beautiful about. And when was that? How long ago was this that? This was, it'd be five years this summer. Okay. So 2014, summer 2014. Oh, awesome. Got it. And uh, one of the things that was really appealing about the village was that there was not an institute. The stone already had a vision for this there mm. and it was working. They just needed somebody to kind of massage what they currently had. They needed somebody with a PhD in order to help kind of massage the curriculum and teach yeah, some yeah. things. Where the village, it was, there was nothing. From the ground up. They had moved to what they call the simple church model. All they had was home groups for adult discipleship. Yes. Wow. And home groups are wonderful, but they are really not great at Christian education. The irony of the demise of biblical and theological literacy among evangelicalism, along with approaches that are devaluing yeah. uh, higher edu- or just Christian education in the life of the church, it's a yeah. perfect storm. Yeah. But maybe more on that later. Uh, so we came to the village. Um, Incredible. And just took a leap of faith. It's been a wonderful... And you were tasked with building this from the ground up. Yep. Yeah, we didn't even know what it was going to be called. Like, we didn't know it was the Village Church Institute. We just knew JT is going to be the person that helps us think about education and the life of the church. So they just hired you on and essentially tasked you Yeah, the job description was, we don't know what you're supposed to do, you do, go do it. Theological education for the local church church here at the Village. Wow. Marvelous. They give you the keys to the car. Yeah, it it was unbelievable. And (laughs) it would not have worked had they not. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Pastor Theologians podcast. We're going to have more from our conversation with JT English next week for our very next episode of the podcast. So make sure you listen into that. If you enjoyed today's episode, feel free to throw us a like, leave a review, subscribe on iTunes, Google, wherever you're listening to the podcast. The Pastor Theologians podcast is a ministry of the Center for Pastor Theologians. If you'd like to learn more about the CPT, You can find us online at pastortheologians.com. Our host for today's episode was Todd Wilson. Our music was composed by Andrew Gerlicher. Our producer and editor is Trenton Jones. I'm Zach Wagner. Thanks for listening.